Welcome back to the Vleet Street Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Van Vleet. Um, before we get started, jump on the socials at Vleet Street underscore podcast. Give us a like and a follow. Um, we appreciate everyone uh, that does, and you can keep up to date with everything we've got going on, like our new merch. Um, that you can purchase and help support the podcast. Um, it is a one-off design, uh, so we'll be pre-selling it for all of September. Um, all you have to do is send me a message um, or email mitch at all4fmx.com.au. And um, so, yeah, either send me a message on socials or an email, and um, we'll make sure to get that shirt out to you in the early days of October. Um, it's all pre-sold, so we don't have a bunch of stock sitting around because um, that will cost us money and we'll lose money and we'll have to close the podcast down so it's all pre-sold um and like i said this design is a one-off it'll never be repeated and we're going to do this every couple of months hopefully um if it goes well so jump on board get yourself some merch whether it's a t-shirt or a hoodie um because it's pre-sold we can get whatever you want whether it's kid sizes um tall tees uh you like real baggy clothes tight clothes whatever we can order it in for you, put the logo on there, and you're good to go. We are going to give away a free T-shirt as well. Um, so all you got to do for that is take a screenshot um, of you listening to the podcast on your whatever app it is you listen to it on. Just take a screenshot um, and post it on your stories, uh, on your Instagram stories or, or a post. Tag us in it, and we will pick a random winner, and that person will get a free Vleet Street T-shirt. Um, the first, the very first... Um, design that we've done so yeah jump on board give that a shot um doesn't have to be uh this particular episode it can be your favorite episode um and let us know what you think as well we love hearing your feedback um what episodes you like what episodes you don't like and we'll be sure to um keep the good stuff coming um also quick shout out to the sponsors uh we love our sponsors here um we've got fastco australia uh, so go check that out, fastcoaustralia.com.au. That's fast with two S's, F-A-S-S-T-coaustralia.com.au. Um, type in the, the discount code VLEETSTREET2020, um, all capitals, and that will get you a, um, a nice little discount, um, whether you're buying flex handlebars, um, some foot pegs. Uh, they've got spoke tools as well. So um, go check that out. Use the discount code, um, and yeah, we uh, support the people that support us. Next up, we've got Quad Squad, the legend, Adam Semenzma. Um, he has built every race engine I've ever had in my whole racing career. Um, he pretty much worked on my bike since I was eight years old. Um, so without him, I don't have any of my championships or anything like that. So um, huge shout out to Adam Semenzma at Quad Squad, and if you want... Um, a reliable fast engine um, or some sweet ass suspension uh, hit up Adam Semenzma at the quad squad um, for all your motocross ATVs and side-by-side needs um, next up we've got creative 48 that's my company we do events we do signage we do vehicle wraps we do digital printing um, hit me up Mitch at creative 48 um, if you need help with any of those things We've also got all for FMX, Australia's only freestyle ATV motocross team. Um, so back when we, when we were going to do some shows, um, back when COVID-19 or when COVID-19 um, fucks off, uh, we'll be able to do shows again. Be sure to come check it out, support the cause, um, see some ATVs do backflips. There's not many people in the world that can do it. Um, so yeah, be sure to check that out. 
Uh, next up, we've got Van Vliet Racing. Uh, go check out vanvleetracing.com.au. Uh, it's a new website. My brothers, Jake and Cooper, have launched, um, and it's all ATV, pretty much performance parts. Uh, use the discount code there, Vleet Street 2020. They'll get you a discount. And, um, yeah, they'll get you a discount, and you can buy some parts from them. Uh, and then we've got Native Concepts as well. If you need some motorsport graphics, uh, hit up Native Concepts. And yeah, that's so. That's big shout out to our sponsors. Um, they're a big help. Um, without them, we probably can't do this. And without you guys, we definitely can't do this. So uh, thank you to everyone that listens and tunes in. Um, we really appreciate your support. <clears throat> but um, yeah, with that being said, let's get into it. This week's guest, um, Matty Roberts. Um, he is the team manager of Tickford Racing for the supercars. So if you're into supercars, into motorsport, um, be sure to tune into this one. Uh, he gives us a, a big behind-the-scenes look at uh, everything um, behind the Ford Racing team, really. Um, they've got four cars in the circuit and then an extra car in the, in the support class. And uh, yeah, he gives us a big inside look into everything that goes on, all the strategizing and all that stuff. So big shout out to Matty Roberts and the Tickford team um, for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. And that being said, this is the Vleet Street Podcast coming at you. podcast matt um you're you work for tickford racing but like what is your what's your role there um yeah thanks mitch thanks for having us on no um, good. yeah team manager at tickford racing um this is my almost my 20th year It'll be 20 years in january yeah um yeah started there um 2002 as a um, number two mechanic for Glen Seton Racing and, um, yeah, just been working my way up and spent two years as a number two and then went on to, to be a number one um, not long into that and, um, yeah, just worked my way up and, yeah, obviously worked with um, a whole host of drivers that um, have been through the Factory Ford team because um, we were the factory four team from '03 to right through to pretty much 2015. So yeah, yeah, sweet. So, but you um before you started at Tickford, like we we're just that was yeah, a bit of an introduction. Um, mm. you obviously you grew up in motorsport, like you love motorsport. Um, your old man uh, raced cars and stuff like that. Um, did you ever look to get into like? Did you ever race yourself? Or were you always nah. a mechanic? I was, a, I was always actually into um, racing motocross. And we, um, the old man used to race a Hillman Hunter um, in hill, hill climbs and used to, used to go down and do some bitchman racing um, when he was young. But um, 
yeah, he, look, I, I grew up working with the old man. He was a mechanic by trade, and he pretty much taught me everything I knew. And you know, when I was a young young fellow, all I wanted to to do was build race engines, and um, you know, he steered me in that direction. And you know, well, I, we never really had the money to go racing cars because it was go karting. Well, to get into it, it was so expensive, and um, yeah, we just just let it be, and then um, yeah, we raced motocross uh, from when we were kids right up until you know it was about seventeen, eighteen, and that was when I pretty much got into you know a race team, and you know before Tickford Racing it was Prancing Horse Racing, so I was there for nearly four years, and um, that was straight after my apprenticeship. So um, yeah, just grew up working with the old man in the shed, and then um, yeah, that's that's where it all grew from there, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, you've always shown a passion for that stuff because even your shed now is one of the cleanest sheds going around. Well, last time I was there, I don't know if it still is, but the last time I was there it was clean, and it's got a it's got a nice uh, Mustang sitting in there. You've pretty much like brought back to life into one of the one of the cleanest cars I've seen. Um, so you've always yeah. shown that kind of passion. Like, what what sits in your shed at the minute? Yeah, it's a, we've got a 67 Fastback um, GD350, so that's that's pride and joy at the moment. You know, we've had had a few cars over the over the years, you know, whether it's like XD Falcons or had a 66 uh, Mustang Coupe. Um, but, yeah, this is, uh, this is the ultimate dream, I guess, is 67 Fastback. So we, um, we bought that about... 14 years ago and it was just a it was a dump when we bought it you know it was just a road car being driven into the ground and we thought we'd do a resto on it and about uh 12 years later you know we got it we got it on the road and it's pride and joy at the moment my the boys my three boys they bloody they get up in there they're like bloody meerkats when they when they when we go for a drive (laughs) it's it's so cool yeah um yeah that's that's um, just one of the many toys we've got in the garage now. You know, was my eldest is into buddy go karts, and the, the middle two are into motocross, and it's flat out now. And yeah, there's not a lot of room left in the in the shed, but yeah, it's I like to keep it a nice, nice clean shed. And I guess that's where you know, working in the racing industry for so long, that's pretty much where I've got my you know workshop OCD because you know we're always garage floors or you know always painted we've all got nice nice tools and toolboxes to work with so i guess that's you know where i picked that up from so i like to keep that happening yeah definitely it'd have to be like you'd have to keep it real clean um in your in your workshop at work um like even if sponsors walk through or whatever you need everything to look 100 percent all the time yeah, and that's a and that's the thing. People, a lot of people don't realise that you know we're we're actually on show pretty much twenty four seven. Whether it's at the racetrack or you know back at the shop, we're always we've always got lots of corporates coming through, and you know those guys are investing a lot of money. Um, you know, like a a medium sized sponsor could be anywhere up to you know seven hundred and fifty grand. You know, your big um, Tier sponsors are, can be up around two and a half mil, and you know they like to see what what we can showcase, and you know it's a professionalism that um, a lot of people you know don't really notice, but we we do go to a lot of effort to 
you know, make our garage look good or, yeah, like the workshop. We just spent probably the last four and a half months just during that COVID period, um, you know, that was a bit of a shit time for everyone and we pretty much tore the workshop down, um, you know, lifted up all the hoists and threw out all the benches and repainted floors and went to town on the workshop. It was pretty cool. So, you know, it's it's even it's looking even better than it was and um yeah so it, it we get a lot of interest from um you know big sponsors so like to keep them happy and it's it's actually a, a relatively big operation when you when you look at it so you know we operate on probably anywhere from 15 to 17 mil a year per annum basically so it's yeah you know, it's a big operation yeah, that's that's crazy. And how many cars are in the Tickford umbrella at the minute? So we got four VCS uh, Mustangs. Um, yeah, we got the the Boost Mobile, Boost Mobile 44, the James Courtney entry. We got the Truck Assist Lee Holdsworth entry. Cam Waters in the six in the Monster Energy car, and um, Jack LeBrock in the super cheap auto car. Yeah. Um, we got a DVS car, which is the second tier. Um, entry. So we got one of them, which is Brock Feeney. Um, he's just an up and up and coming gun. Um, you know, he's a young young kid. He's only 21. Um, but yeah, he's got a he's got a bright future. So we got we got five cars, and um, yeah, sort of. That's that's about us in a nutshell. It's about 65 staff. Um, you know, there's 30 odd travelling crew and. The rest are workshop based, so yeah, big operation. Yeah, bloody oath. So, when you say um, team manager, so are you? Do you look after one car, or do you look after all five? Um, how does yeah, that so roll? Basically, all five logistically. Um, you know, all the day to day stuff that that it takes to you know help run a, a race team. Um, when we get to the racetrack, we sort of got to be separate. Um, at the moment, so I'm in the in the six and the the 55 garage, um, but we do cross pollinate and um, but yeah, across all five. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Come race day in the in the six fifty five garage, it's sort of focused on there, and we've got a um, a crew chief, chief mechanic. He looks after the second garage. Yeah. True. So obviously, at the minute, it's a bit. Um all crazy you kind of got like a a supercars bubble up up north of australia at the minute um are all the teams up there like are you all staying together or you're all separate how's that no, how's that work with covid19 yeah, we're, we're in sort of we're in a supercars bubble if you like yeah um, the teams are we're in probably about five or six different locations on the gold coast but Queensland Health and Supercars know exactly where everyone is, so we can't really, we, you know, we can't move without telling those guys where we're going. Um, yeah, we've had I don't know how many bloody COVID tests I had, you know, just the uh, the double shot up the nose. That's that's fucking um, pretty ordinary. <laughs> Are you getting used to it, or is it just as bad every time? Oh, it's just as bad every time. You don't I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine. Um, yeah, in the in the early piece when we're you know going from Sydney to to Queensland and um, back and forward, it was 
it was pretty intense. The Sydney siders and Queenslanders, they loved to buddy double jammy nose. So that was horrendous. But when we got to um, when we got to Darwin, everyone was in a hub in Darwin. Um, there was only two hotels that the whole supercars category stayed at. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was kind of good. Three and a half weeks up on in Northern Territory, it's bloody awesome. Yeah, I've been there a few times. It's a pretty cool place. Yeah, so I mean, I've been going there like, like I said, twenty odd years, and yeah. I've I've seen the racetrack, the airport, and the main highway, and I've in three and a half weeks, I saw more in you know than I have in twenty years. So it was it was so good to get up there, and just we went on the Matt Wright Crocodile Tour. Yeah. Um, did heaps of stuff, you know, did Litchfield and Berry Springs and there's so many just natural, um, you know, wonders that you can go to and it's, it was, it's actually a bloody awesome place and, you know, the nightlife up there is pretty cool because it's pretty laid back and all the pubs are just, you know, full, full speed at the moment. So yeah, the, the nightlife was, they were loving all the, all the supercars peeps up there. So it was, yeah. um, it was pretty cool to be up there for almost a month. Yeah, well, um, yeah, it is It is pretty laid back up there. We learned that. Um, uh, my brother Harry jumped on the roof of a stretch limo Hummer and no one seemed to care. And that was down, yeah. the, that was down Mitchell Street, like the main street of Darwin. Um, yeah. So that just goes to show how, how laid back and like careless they are up there. It's just... Yeah. yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty loose. But, yeah, that's um, it. Yeah, no, that was that was awesome fun up there, and um, yeah, we're back on the Gold Coast at the moment, and um, fortunate enough to have all the families. Well, as from our team, we brought a lot of the a lot of the partners and um, you know wives and kids up, so that that could travel. You know, there's quite a few that couldn't travel. So yeah, yeah, I seen the the video Tick, Tickford released. There was a it was a tearjerker. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, a, that was a good moment. So, you know, it was 64 days that we, you know, we hadn't seen, um, you know, the family for for that long. So it was, yeah. it was actually getting quite tough on the on the road, you know, just mentally because, you know, we were racing back-to-backs and, um, you know, we weren't having that longer breaks in between, you know, only a day here or a day there break. Um so to be away from the fam that long is it was starting to take a toll on quite a few of the guys and um, it's actually harder than you think you know just you know you think oh you know you can FaceTime or oh you can you can do all your your catch ups that way but it's just not the same you know person to person or face to face so um, yeah it was a huge relief to get all the families up and it's actually just given the whole team a big morale boost and. Um, we're almost there. We've got a double round coming up in um, Tail and Bend um, this weekend. So double double round in in Adelaide, which would be good. Yeah. So we we go. We're quite strong in Adelaide. So I mean, we were last last year. We went there and we were you know we we're topping the sheets at um, at the test this year. So we're looking forward to getting back down there and hope hopefully have some good results. Yeah, hundred percent. So um, obviously this year's very different um, due to the circumstances of uh, COVID-19. So you normally have a few, a fair few stops um, in a normal year. Like, do you have the same amount of stops this year? You're just skipping obvious places like Melbourne and maybe yeah, not going so overseas? This, 
the calendar is <coughs> not as long this year, but you know they've got the full fourteen races out. We've done, you know, we did a double up at at Sydney Motorsport Park. Um, then we've, you know, obviously done the the double at Darwin. Um, we did double Townsville a fortnight ago. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll do a double um, tail and bend, and of course we'll finish up at Bathurst. So we've had to jump jump through quite a few hoops to you know get all these races done and dusted. The, a couple in Sydney they were they were really sketchy because they were starting to have COVID outbreaks, and you know we couldn't go anywhere. And when we we're, were down in Eastern Creek, you know we we're pretty much locked down from the hotel to the track, and we're like, you know, it was going to be an epic epic year if that's what you know, the whole um, program was going to look like because they pretty much locked us down. The minute we, we got to the the, um, the hotel, it was full lockdown and then we were allowed out to go to the track and then, you know, went to the track, practice, race, back to the hotels, another lockdown again. It was just like, it was a bit weird. But, um, yeah, we got through Sydney and then we prepped at um, SeaWorld and then we on, on to Darwin. It was a bit more relaxed up there, so... And um, yeah, Townsville fortnight ago that was that was pretty cool. So it's a nice place up in Townsville as well. Yeah, hundred percent. But well, yeah, we've had to had to jump through um, all these border patrols, and you know, there's all these border entry forms that you got to fill out. So it's bloody um, it's intense when you're going through. Like it's full international um, entry when you're coming into in and out of Queensland or in of Sydney so it's you know it's, you've almost got to get your bloody um, passport out and, and enter enter domestic terminals that way yeah yeah so obviously there's no overseas racing this year um, no. but you normally in a, in, a, in a normal year you do go overseas maybe once or twice um, where's the coolest place outside of Australia that you've um, you've gone with the with the championship? Definitely Austin, um, Texas. So we went there in 2012, I think it was. Um, yeah, that's that was such a cool place. Um, yeah, like I say, we've been been pretty much everywhere. We've been China, Bahrain, Dubai. Um, obviously, we go to New Zealand every year. So that was that was the unfortunate one that we had to miss out this year because obviously the international travel, but. Um, yeah, out of all the tracks, I think we've been to internationally. Austin in the US definitely takes the cake. Um, they just obviously just do things massive over there, as you know, with you know Supercross and motocross over there. It's just huge. Yeah. So everything they they did, like a small crowd for them, was fifty or sixty thousand. But you know, for us, that was huge. So they got they got they got a massive crowd out there when we went out there because they obviously loved the the V8s and wanted to see what we what we were all about. Yeah, that's and it. They wanted to see a car turn right. They wanted. Um, <laughs> they were really accommodating for us. So, yeah. Yeah, that was that was bloody awesome. But um, yeah, there's been some interesting places over the years. Um, Dubai is pretty cool as well. You know, they know they know how to spend the money over there. So. It, um, that's a cool place. If you ever get a chance to go to Dubai, I'd, I'd, I'd suggest going there. Um, you know, they've pretty much built this track and made a harbour at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty um, pretty sick place to go. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they control the weather. Like that's how crazy it is over there. They can, they make it rain like yeah. once a week or something. 
I don't know. I don't know. That make it rain. <laughs> Every time we were there, that it never rained. But yeah, um, uh, they 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 do some pretty serious digging over there, and yeah, you know, they make um, they make islands out of just seabeds. I guess they just they know how to do it. So. Yeah, yeah, because they got that big palm, oh. that palm tree island too. I think that they handmade, yeah. and yeah, yeah, and in um, Bahrain, in the middle of the desert, there's a, a water park. So. It's that's insane. The water <laughs> the water parks over there are absolute insane places to go. Yeah. So as well as um, the roller coaster ride in Ferrari World in Dubai, that's pretty sick. Yeah. So yeah, we've definitely definitely seen a lot over the years, and and you know been to heaps of heaps of places and seen some um, pretty interesting stuff along the way. Yeah, true. So you mentioned um, you obviously you spent sixty something days away from your family. Um, for those that don't know, you're married to my cousin. That's how we hooked up on this podcast. But um, you, yeah, so you spend that's this year. But in a, in a normal year, you still spend a lot of time um, away from your family, and and you miss like um, like events and family functions and stuff like. Has that ever played a toll on you, or like oh, are, are you used to it now? Or yeah, I mean, look, we. When the busy part of the seasons, we could be racing every fortnight or every three weeks. So you know, you, when the truck's got a four-day road travel, you work that out. That's like you know three or four days in the workshop. So you know you're going absolute gun ho. Um, and then yeah, obviously the following week you're you're on another plane and you you're flying out to a racetrack. I can't I can't tell you how many you know 18th. 21st in the early days that I miss and then it you know turned into missing people's 30ths and and then obviously when you when you're a bit older you <clears throat> everyone was sort of getting married I missed you know probably half a dozen weddings including yours so yeah you that's know. all right your car rocked up <laughs> the Mustang was there that's all right the main <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know hats off to the wife because we got three boys at, at this full-on and um you know, me going away every fortnight is that it doesn't certainly doesn't help. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, the boys are starting to understand, you know, what's going on now. So, you know, our eldest is eleven, and um, you know, they're avid fans now. They know exactly who's driving what, who's who's you know what races on next. So they just know the, the ins and outs of everything. Um, so you know that's pretty pretty cool that they follow and they're they're into it I guess and I um at at what I've found now is you know that they've got so much interest that it's like they'll they'll come to work with me now and you know they want to work on the cars or they want to help clean them or just just do anything so it's kind of cool that they've you know taken all that on board and you know they want to be a part of it now so because they think it's pretty cool but. Yeah, the travel the travel part of it does does play a toll. Yeah, um, just being away from home and, and missing all the family events, it, it does get quite takes a toll on you. Yeah, hundred <clears throat> percent. Um, right, there's a few questions out of the way. So, um, has it always have you always been interested in supercars? Like, did you ever want to go into a different form of motorsport um, as a mechanic or anything, or did you? Was it always just yeah, supercars? Um, probably. Uh, I reckon about four or five years in, um, I wanted to go overseas and had the chance to go over to the US to do the 24-hour Daytona and um, 
you know, the team manager at the time wouldn't let me have three weeks off work and, you know, because it was right in the middle of our season. Um, uh, a year after that, I wanted to, to go over to Europe and trying to get into F1, but we ended up um, buying a house and settling down and it, um, it just got too hard to try and look to go to Europe or over to the US because um, it wasn't it wasn't that hard to do. Quite a few of my you know, past uh, people that I've worked with, you know, they went to um, either F1 or NASCAR. And one of my good mates is um, crew chief for um, one of the Joe Gibbs cars, um, James Small. So yeah, he he looks after. I'm just trying to think who he looks after. I can't remember now. Um, uh, Tony Stewart. One of those guys, anyway. So yeah, but yeah, he's he's um, he's one of the ones that have actually made it to. A, they call their like the crew chiefs over there. So yeah, he's he's pretty high up in NASCAR. But I, I miss that boat trying to get out of the country. Just um, I didn't get locked down early, but yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that happens. Um, so. Let's get let gets back onto the supercar sort of thing. So, um, obviously, uh, supercars went through some changes recently um, with, oh, I guess Ford and Holden pulling out essentially, and you swapped from a Falcon to a Mustang. Um, what kind of development goes in goes into a Mustang? Like, how much lead time do you have to prep that car and make a full custom car? Um, to go race in the championship? So we started working on the Mustang, oh, it was probably a full 12 months before um, we actually raced it. So it took it took about yeah, six to eight months um, in design work and then it was about four months of build time we had. So, you know, obviously lots of um, aero testing from a category um, perspective. So you know they when they when they run a category, they've got to make sure they've got an even sort of parity. So you know you've got to submit all your all your aerodynamics of the car, and so you know they they give you certain tolerances what you've got to um, conform to. So how high your wing is, how how far back it is, or you know how wide your your body is, front or rear. There's all these certain parameters you've got to be within. So what what we do is we go away and design within those parameters, submit something, and then they go right. I build that. We'll be happy with that. So they run it through their CFD programs on on you know a CAD program. Yeah. All computer all computer aided analysis. They'll let you go and build it, and then they make you take it to a racetrack, and they they put all their sensors all over it, make sure. You know, you're creating the right amount of downforce in the whether it be the front or the rear, um, and they sort of guide you. Right, oh, you, you've got too much rear wing, or you got too much front, or you haven't got enough in certain areas, uh, and they'll tell you what you need to do. Um, and Ford were from from the get go. Ford were pretty big um, helpers in that in that regard. So Ford Performance in the US, yeah, actually. They actually did all the aero work for um, all the Aussie teams. Um, you know, they did. They've got obviously big wind tunnels over in the US, so you know, they actually we actually had a bit of a leg up um, in that regard. So when, because obviously when we did the Falcon, we didn't have 
any sort of help. It was all done by us as a team. But um, yeah, for a performance in the US, it was it was a big um, big presence from from the um, from the factory. So um, and I guess that's why it's been so successful now because it's you know big dollar budget for development um, equals you know lap lap time and and success. So yeah, fact, definitely. <clears throat> That's... We've had a had a had a couple of race wins with the Mustang now, so it's it's actually been good for us. Um, so we've um, we it's really suited our chassis, um, the Aero. So yeah, we've taken a big step forward, but um, haven't quite been able to catch Scotty Mac lately. But hopefully we're we're homing in on him. You know, we're usually only about a tenth or so behind him in quality, but. Um, the last couple of tracks, we've been we've been quicker than him, so we just need to finish in front of him in the championship. That'd be nice. Yeah, definitely. Well, how, how much what how much does it come down to driver versus machine? Um, oh, look, you know, there's there's always a driver element, but um, machine. Um, there's so many variables. You know, you've got different engine manufacturers and. Um, there's so many control parts now, so it's it's ever so close. Like, I don't know if you saw qualifying at Townsville, but there was, you know, 15 cars within a tenth. And, you know, you're talking half a tenth or or less, that, you know, can determine four or five spots on the grid. Um, so they're so close now. But, um, you know, obviously there's a the GM engine. There's a couple of different engine builders. You know, there's KRE who, who supply engines for... You know, Triple Eight, uh, the Red Bulls. Um, you know, and then, then you've got the mobile, the mobile team. They've got their own engines. Um, us, um, you know, Penske's do their own engines. So there's all these different manufacturers. So you've got a lot of a lot of variables with um, you know just even engine parity these days. So it's quite a big business to whoever's got the best engine. Really, you know, the chassis are so close. It's a control. Um, Car of the future chassis. We've got controlled dampers. Um, pretty much the only thing that's not controlled now is yeah the engine, front suspension, um, but everything else is all controlled. So um, you'll see a big shift in Gen 3 <clears throat> in two years' time. So we'll have a probably a, a controlled base engine and um, controlled front suspension. So um, it'll come down to just pure driver element then. Yeah. Yeah, so um, before when you were saying how you're developing the car and you go out and get it tested and they make sure everything is okay, when you mm. say they, is that like the supercars governing body? Is yeah, it? Yeah, so supercars they got a their own entity, so you know they're the they're the the marshals or the scrutineers, so to speak. Um, you know, we're, our rule book's probably you know a thousand pages thick. It's it's like thicker than a you know a the Bible, but it, um, there's so many elements that we're scrutinised on. Um, so, you know, we're just going to do do the best job to the rule book and, you know, those guys are checking us week in, week out <clears throat> from, you know, just from um, car weight, minimum dry weights to, you know, engine capacities. You know, they'll make you pull your engine down and weigh your, you know, pistons and, and conrod assembly, so... You know, yeah. so heavily scrutinised, and they'll, they'll come along and seal, you know, cylinder heads to engines, and um, you know, make sure your wings not over maximum angle, and 
um, you know, fuel testing. So they don't they don't discriminate on what they want to test. Um, you know, they can test you at any point throughout the, the race weekend, and they've got to be, you know, one step ahead of the teams because the teams are looking at every little single game that they can. You know, because the, the sport's so competitive and so close. Yeah, yeah. So their their goal essentially is to make it an even playing field. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And them trying to make it come down to the the driver element as much as they can. But yeah, there's always that that machine element advantage. Yeah, true. So did you have anything to do while the e racing was going on? That e racing series they had? Nah, pretty much all we were doing was um, all our workshop Renaults. So. Yeah, the drivers were were driving in their simulators at home. Um, you know, we just had a, a film guy on on hand just to do some um, odd odd filming for you know for the telecasts because it was a pretty pretty weird thing, I guess, to see all that E series. But it actually got it got a little bit of traction, and um, you know, it was good for the sponsors because you know. They're, they're the they're the main reason why we sort of did it to give give something back to the sponsors that you know stuck through the the tough time and all they want to see is you know their name their logos out on TV. Yeah, so you know it was good for Foxtel and um, and and those guys to actually telecast um, you know E series. So it was it was um, it was probably the saving grace actually for for the sport and the series. Yeah, yeah. So, so was we, there was there's rumors going around that, that some of the drivers had engineers with them to make, making changes to their cars. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of the good guys have got a like they they were using their engineers as um, helping set the cars up and different um, um, different formats they were using. But yeah, some some guys take it really serious. I know. Um, I know the Penske guys were using their their engineers and had had all these spotters and they took it quite serious. But you know, um, we 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 did have our engineers helping. Um, so we got four lead engineers that, that work with the drivers. So you know, it was good for those guys to to keep that interaction during that period because um, you know it's that that's the type of thing that you you need you know the day to day racetrack. You need a good correlation between driver and engineer because if those two don't mix, you know your your track results yeah, will suffer. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, the the e racing thing was cool. I think it freaked out a few of the older generation. Not to call my dad old, but we had it on in the on TV, and one of the cars disappeared for a split second, and he yeah. had no, he had no idea what was going on. He was like, what, 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 "Where did that car go? <laughs> oh, it's back. <laughs> what, 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 what are you? Is this real? I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. This is." This is all computer generated, and he freaked. Yeah. And he and he was watching it for about, oh, I reckon ten to fifteen minutes before that that happened. And, and he's he like, oh, he, he had no idea it was fake. And he's, oh, it's good that they they right. They mustn't have any fans there and all this stuff. And then he found out it was fake, and he cracked the shits and left. <laughs> he's like, oh no, I can't watch this now. Yeah, no, because it's not real. So, yeah. I mean, the novelty did wear off after about six or seven rounds. Yeah, but it probably did um, help get, like, the younger fans involved, I guess. Like, yeah. uh, my youngest brother, Cooper, he's right into that into that shit and all sim racing and all the computer gaming and stuff, and he, he frothed it. He loved it. Yeah, so it probably did diverse a little bit for that younger generation. Yeah. Um, I know 
all three of my boys are mad for it. So, you know, because they're all into their, their sims and all those, that side of things. But, um, yeah, I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't really get into it either because it was not real for me. But, um, yeah, the younger generation, they were, they were frothing for it. Yeah. Sweet. So, obviously, um, when it comes to race day and stuff like that and Bathurst, obviously, uh, the strategy plays a big part. Um, and we're talking about real racing now, not e-racing. Strategy plays a big part um, in whether you win or, or lose, essentially. You could be winning and you make a fuel stop at the wrong time or something happens and, and, and all of a sudden you're out of the race. Um, you see it nearly every year at Bathurst. And, yeah. and other races um like who is that do you have any part in that decision or is that someone else's department and oh there's a it's not just one person you know there's yeah a, there's a whole team there's, there's a group of us um, yeah um there's there's four four um race engineers like i was saying um you've got four um data guys that are constantly looking at you know whether it's fuel numbers or what lap someone else is pitting on or they can they can see what everyone else's strategy is going on um, back and forward plan they help um, you know the race engineer go right if you go long here you're gonna undercut someone or if you're vice versa or yeah so you have access to everyone else's fuels or like their car info I guess we can see we can see what they're doing after, say, it takes one pit stop to see what strategy they're on. Yeah. Um, from from there, we we can work out what they're doing, but we can also work out what their, you know, what their tyre degradation is as well by just the, we can plot their lap times over, say, a 10-lap period. So we can work out, you know, whether, whether they're conserving fuel or whether they're, they're burning lots, Um yeah, we can we can actually see quite a lot from the data um, and yeah. work out what everyone else is doing. But yeah, it's a, it's such a it's a tough tough race to actually nail because sometimes there's other elements that whether it's um, weather or accidents or you know that bring brings out safety cars at the wrong time or the right time. So it's there's there's elements of luck at that round. Yeah, um, but yeah. The sprint rounds, um, it's really just tyre racing. So you you got to pick the pick the right lap to pit on. Um, make sure you get the tyre gain. You know we can you can undercut three or four cars in a pit stop if you if you stop a lap or two earlier, and make sure you can make it to the end because the tyre tyre degradation is so high. Because um, pretty much all these sprint rounds are all soft tyres, so there's a lot of strategy going on. There's a lot of pre-planning. You know, we can we can um, all just discuss it at the same time. So it's not just one person making that call. So you know, there, there could be three or four of us watching watching what everyone else is doing. So you know, there's 24 cars to watch at once. Yeah. So, so you're watching all of them, not just the top guys. Uh, we sort of watch the probably the top 12. Um, not too many cars from you know 12 to. 24 is going to come and jump jump into the top 10 and drive to the top but um yeah some 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 cars have done it but it's very rare that you'll get someone from the mid pack jumping the few that you know into the top three but you sort of keep an eye on the sort of the top 12 and yeah race from there yeah sweet um yeah, that's that's crazy like every every year sit down and watch Bathurst and just everything that goes on 
and like sometimes a safety car would fall in someone's lap just perfectly yeah. like they'll be running out of fuel and they're like almost idling and then a safety car comes out and it's just like it just times it perfectly and it's just there's obviously so much that goes into it especially if you're watching all the cars and yeah oh there's there's you know there's we'll spend a week on just strategy planning you know pitting on different laps and where where we'll come out and how far we can go and um working at working out ways of different strategies of fuel saving and you know, trying to eke out the next another lap or two laps, or um, but like you said, you know, you can't <clears throat> you can't play the the safety cars, or you know, that can fall a lap or two out of your window, and you know, screw your whole day. Yeah, and like it'll fall into someone else's lap. So, I mean, those we've only won it twice. Um, we won it thirteen and fourteen back to back. And, um, you know, that was – both of those races sort of fell our way, but um, it was no no less hard work than anyone else. So, yeah, you just got to have – it's got to be your day to win that race. And um, I'll give you the tip. It's a bloody good race to win. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. It's, it seems to be like even people who aren't interested in supercars, if they watch one race a year, that's, that's the one. Yeah, I um, mean, look. I think we all we all used to sit down with our with our with our old mans when we were kids and you know, used to get up at seven or eight o'clock on a Sunday morning, Bathurst morning and sit in front of the T V until um, you know, at least half race distance or or that was that was me anyway with my old man and you know, we yeah. used to sit there and watch it till till the checkered flag. So that was just part of what we did when we were kids and growing up and yeah 100 percent. i feel like any any family that has any interest in any motorsport whether it's cars bikes uh anything that 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 seems to be seems to be the go for yeah. uh for bathurst watching it with the family such a big race um you know build-ups like a week long so we're up there all week so you know we go up and set up on the on the monday and um yeah so it's it's such a such a crazy big race um in years gone past you know they've had hundred thousand people on just on race day so yeah well I'll ask you a, ask you this as a team manager would you rather win that or the championship if you could only win one of them bathurst bathurst yeah oh, sweet. that's cool yeah. um there's a lot of a lot of people can tell you the last bathurst champion they can't tell you the last driver champion you know yeah that's a fair point that's a yeah no that's true that's true. Um, do you guys practice pit stops like outside of the, the rounds? Yeah, yeah, flat out. So we've yep. got a, we've actually got a an old BAU and we've converted it into a um, a supercar hub. It's like a hybrid supercar. It's got a road car engine, but it's got supercar wheels and suspension. And we put air jacks in this Ute, and um, we it's like our pit stop mule. So yeah, the boys all spend you know, twice a day in a normal, in a normal, um, situation where we're, you know, back at, back at the factory in Melbourne and we're, we're there three or four days a week. Um, if we're not, not there racing, um, yeah, we'll be training twice a day, morning and afternoon. We'll go and, um, just flat out pit stops. Um, every other day we've got a, a gym there at work too. So we'll get the pit crew in the gym and, 
the guys, um, you know, heaps of plenty of fitness training and lifting weights and explosive, you know, power workouts. So, because that's what we got to do. So, yeah, 100%. Yeah, you know, wheel, wheels and the guns, are, they're not light. So, it's a 22 kilo wheel and a um, six six kilo rattle gun so you know we lift lift the wheel with one arm and you know you've got a six kilo rattle gun you know full full extension so swinging those things around it's you know 30 kilos total it's it's quite tough if you you know we do i don't know we do seven or eight pit stops at bathurst so you're doing that for two cars so you know it's could be 14 or 16 pit stops for for the day up there so that's it's, crazy. Um, it's it's intense, but yeah, it's like we're a, we're like a we're you know we'd be similar to a an AFL team. You know, they they go to they go to work and they train every day, whether it's in the gym or on the track um, or the you know the footy oval. We're the same. You know, we'll we'll go to work and we'll train um, in the gym or yeah live pit stops, and then we'll get to the to the racetrack and go and do it for real. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's insane. When you when you add it up that way, yeah, the amount of weight they're pushing over a weekend would be just incredible. Yeah. Thirty kilos every pit stop, and just continue, yeah. continue, continue. Yeah, the fatigue would and, set in. You definitely something you have to train for. And it's intense. Like the weekends are jam packed now. Um, yeah, because obviously they reduced the the time at track now. So you know we're we're only practice quality on Saturday and Sunday and race, obviously both days. Um, and they just jam, jam the sessions half an hour, 45 minutes apart. Um, you know, we're all just going like cut cats for basically, you know, eight, 10 hours of the day. Yeah. Um, so there's not a lot of, not a lot of downtime for, for the guys to, you know, regenerate energy and recoup for, for you know, getting themselves ready for for the race because we don't actually have all the you know the pit crew, uh, the mechanics or engineers. So you know we don't have fly in fly out pit crews like NASCAR and you know F1. So the guys that are working on the cars have got to you know sort of bust their ass on the cars for during the sessions and during the day. And then you know in the afternoon we you know put our race suits on and go go and do pit stops and. So it's it's quite intense, full on. You know, can can add up. You know, the amount of weight that you you lose in a day, um, it'd be phenomenal. Yeah, hundred percent. This is so physical. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And do the do the drivers get much practice outside of the the championship rounds? Um, not so much because usually the like the weeks in between their their flat out training. Um, yeah, spent a lot of time training with the, the drivers lately because we're all on the road together. So, you know, we're sort of, we're all staying at the same hotel and, um, you know, they're either, if they're not running a day, you know, they're they're at the gym for, you know, probably two hours in the morning and then, you know, or an hour in the afternoon or out for another run again. So the the weeks in between, uh, they're quite, um, quite, quite relaxed, but, you know, we've had back-to-back weekends, so you, the boys have just been recovering during the week. Yeah. Um, normally, they'd head out if it was a normal normal weekend um, in between each race. You know, they, some of them might head out to go-kart tracks and, and whatnot, but a lot of them just 
they'll train in between, get themselves fit, get themselves ready for, for the next round. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So um, we'll wrap things up. Um, you've been chatting for quite some time now. But before we go, you um, you were the team manager for or the car manager for Winterbottom for quite a few years there at Ford. Yeah. Um, you won a championship together mm-hmm. and a Bathurst? Yeah. So, so I just want to know, what's your most memorable racing moment? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, definitely winning Bathurst with with Mark in um, twenty thirteen. That was a that was a huge achievement. Obviously, yeah, I was his number one mechanic for um, yeah almost thirteen years. So yeah, right. That's a long time. So we you'd have we, to be you'd have to be at least good somewhat of good mates to to work thirteen much, years together. <laughs> pretty much grew up together. So yeah, you know, we, we started our careers similar sort of time you know him driving me mechanic and um um so yeah that was probably the most memorable um winning Bathurst and then you know um obviously the championship in 2015 with him as well that was that was another special moment but yeah definitely Bathurst 2013 um that's 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 right up there at the moment so hopefully we can um the championship's a little bit out of our reach this year, but hopefully we can have strong Bathurst. We've got some got some strong um, driver pairings, so hopefully we can have a good crack this year. Yeah, definitely. Definitely awesome. I think we'll wrap it up there, Matt. Sweet as, Mitch. Too easy, Talk, mate. Man. I really appreciate you coming on. It means a lot to me. No worries, man. Thanks for having me. Too easy, mate. Thank you. All right, mate. Bye. See ya. And then we have it, Matty Roberts, team manager of Tickford Racing. Uh, he's worked there for 20 years. It's a long time to work in one place, and um, he seems to really love it. Um, yeah, racing V8 supercars or supercars these days, is it runs in his blood. Um, and yeah, like I said in the podcast, he he's married to my cousin, and um, so I've known him for quite a few years now, and yeah, he's really passionate about the supercars there, and um, hopefully that gives you a good insight to... Um, to behind the scenes of supercar racing and how much actually goes on and the strategizing and all that stuff and um yeah um yeah thanks for tuning in we really appreciate it uh jump on the uh, the social medias at fleet street underscore podcast give us a like and follow um and yeah we've got our new merch out as well so uh, send us a message um or send me an email mitch at or for fmx.com.au or jump on the socials and send me a message if you want to jump on board and get some merch, um, help support the podcast. And uh, yeah, so shout out to our sponsors as well. We appreciate everyone. We appreciate you listening. Um, we're, probably, we're going to give away a free shirt as well. So um, uh, all you need to do is um, post on your Instagram stories or an Instagram post um, of your favorite podcast that you've listened to of ours. Uh, the favorite guest or a photo, just share share the podcast on your social medias and um, we'll pick a random person um, to give a free t-shirt to. So yeah, we appreciate everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, peace.